I'm Jakub Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I hope to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about cybersecurity. We're chatting about breach readiness, how to respond when an incident happens, and, uh, and once it's happened, uh, the forensics involved in finding the bad guys. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of how to prepare and how to respond to cyber, uh, when cyber criminals come knocking on your door. I'm joined by Rudy Roth, uh, founder of Razertech. Rudy, welcome. Oh, thanks, man. So we always kick off uh, by a little bit of history. Tell us about. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm proud to say that I'm a I'm a I'm a born South African technologist. Um, I didn't go and borrow my brain to some overseas university to to uh, brainwash me. Um, so I've gone through the ranks. I know what is it to be. Uh, in the trenches and splice wires and uh, um, all the way through to configuring quite large networks. So I was uh, privileged to work for some of the largest um, OEM manufacturers. Um, I've headed up their um, technology division and then joined a security and systems integrator in South Africa, uh, which I've been in with uh, the last eight years. So in total, about 20 years in the IT uh, industry. But my passion is network and network security, um, okay. and especially in the last few years, cybersecurity. Um, but I'm not the traditional OCA. I'm most probably the one that stays away from technology and look, look towards what do we do outside technology and not just throw technology at everything. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we, we definitely have to unpack that. I, I, I really like this intro. So, so um let's let's jump right in um when we talk about breach readiness how uh, what would you how would you describe that i want to start it to the other maybe qu- answer your question in a way uh in an analogy so it is like um your wife comes home and you forgot something and Oof. you start panicking and you're trying to find excuses and uh, uh but yeah but this and, and and this is exactly what happens in a breach you you are you by somehow find out that you are breached either via a notification being sent or your security guy actually has done some some of his jobs and he now finds something suspicious gets raised up to executive level and they say well we now in a breach most probably the scariest words any ceo wants to hear um and then they go into flat panic mode because um no rip the wires let's do this let's Call all our people in. Let's start a war room. Um, you know, keep it away from the press. Um, you know, radio silence. Nobody contacts anybody. Uh, and and that is exactly what we find most probably. I want to say ten out of ten, um, but at least nine out of ten times um, that a state of panic sets in, and they make really stupid mistakes uh, that makes our life post breach quite difficult. Uh, because we need to go and find what's really happened. And by their action, they sometimes destroy evidence. And we can't get to the real root cause quickly. Um, and so it becomes a tedious problem to get there. Um, so we really, I think one of my biggest recommendations I've shared with many of my customers is, guys, as you have been testing your data center DR capability, Test your cyber breach readiness. Um, 
do a mock mock breach, like uh, you just received the mail uh, and you've been breached. Who's making the decision? What decisions are being made? Who's being called in? How do you communicate internally and to your customers? If you don't have a clear plan, you're going to find yourself in this panic mode. Um, and that's scary. That's a scary place to be. It, it almost, um, I'm getting uh, flashbacks of uh, at school when we had to do uh, fire drills when, uh, you know, the fire alarm goes off. And if you don't have a plan, everybody just starts running and trampling on each other and stuff like that. So, so how do you, um, and, and you and I previously spoke about this, how do you get to uh, develop this plan with, with a customer? Because uh, you, you mentioned earlier now um, about my wife coming home and, I, and I'm making excuses. So I'm pretty sure if you now have a third party that says, yes, but Yaku, you forgot that. And it's not that uh, comfortable uh, spot to be. Um, so obviously, that's very key. Um, by you just asking the question, you're already on the right path. By asking the question, what should my plan be without being in a breach situation, that is the right step. Now, who do I bring in? I can, you know, most probably me and my company. Yeah. But a warning is don't bring in someone that wants to sell you technology because that's not where we start. Yeah, I it like starts that. with people and process. There is no foolproof technology out there. And I'll repeat myself. There is absolutely none. There's no scientific evidence. There's no cybersecurity evidence that any technology will 100% protect you That certainly will help you And help you to to uh, Your defensive strategy uh, Or your offensive strategy Whatever that strategy is But you have to start with people and process And that's most probably where South Africa Just in if you look at the last Two, three years, all of the major hacks Were all about people and process Technology did not Safeguard them so, so do you uh, do you find that uh, typically people are uh, well, number one? How many how many companies would you guesstimate uh, unscientifically or maybe scientifically uh, that actually have some form of a plan like this? And in my follow-on question to that is is how receptive are companies to have a discussion like this? Because it's it's almost like a little bit of. Uh, isn't it a bit of uh, dirty laundry or maybe reputational risk if I if I now call you in and you come and see how dirty my house is? No, I must admit, um, we are blessed if you look at what our um, compliance standards have implemented, you know, especially on Poppy, um, because everything is about the data. Cybersecurity risk is not about... You know, burning down your infrastructure or uh, breaking configurations. It's about going after the data. And if you look at what Poppy does, there's actually in the Poppy um, Act where they categorically ask you for your breach plans and what happens, how do you communicate that data has been compromised. And that suddenly woke up a lot of companies to say, what should we be doing? How should we uh, think about this? So, of all of the companies or the larger companies, most of them have got this plan in place. I can't say with absolute certainty that the plan is not just a paper-based exercise yeah, and okay. have they actually done it. Um, you know, they must answer that for themselves. Yeah. But um, at least they have a plan. At least some something has happened. Some thought has been sparked. Because you must understand that if you are breached 
and it's a real breach, and data is compromised. As an owner of a company, as directors of the company, you can be very liable, both as a collective or individually. So, so you mentioned now uh, the term big company. So, is uh, uh, breaches isn't only a big company problem, surely? That's the unfortunate part. I think what's happened is the larger enterprise companies, and let's put a number to it. Let's call it 750 users above a thousand. You know, those type of uh, size companies. Um, they would typically have outsourced some of their security services, and immediately people will put some measures in place. Um, and I think at that stage, we are seeing that the cyber uh, market has started to focus on the lower or the, m- the middle part of um, the soft, let, let's call it the soft targets. Um, and this is where we, you know, I said sort of the noise hacking. So, um, they've got a breach, but it's not a real true breach. They they compromised a single user's password. They drop some files, and they notify their CEO that or the owner of the company that I've now breached you. So, and it's like almost an advanced four one nine scam from Nigeria. Yes, okay. So they just flood the market with all of these notifications, um, and they this is automated scripts. I mean, this is not even a person sitting behind the machine doing it. Um, and then if someone bites, like putting a hook in the water and someone bites, they, they then follow through on it, um, and try and get as much money as possible without actually doing the physical hack. So, so I assume, uh, um, when we talk about breach, if there, if there is some form of compromise, um, nine times out of ten in, in the business environment, it's, uh, in pursuit of money. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's no other reason for it. Yeah. If, you, um, if it's government, then we know it's different stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm talking sort of the, the mainstream, um, uh, small, medium, and even enterprise businesses. Yeah, um, yeah there's, there's these uh, war stories out there that the guys are, are doing it for um, you know, information and competitive information. But really, I think there's other ways to do it. Um, yeah. You know, the people that's going after what we are seeing in the market is there for the money. So, um, Rudy, if you have a if you have a plan, um, how often would you recommend that one reviews that plan? So, we recommend once a quarter to at least review the plan, okay, and then twice a year to actually drill the plan. Okay, um, it's important because company employees change, um, leadership positions change. Um, and once you're in a breach, it's not the middle management that gets called in. It's the top management. Um, and they are the ones who sit there around the table, make decisions, approve stuff, and suddenly open up their wallet to many of their suppliers who say, you now need to do whatever you need to do to keep us safe. Um, now, the sad part is, why didn't you spend the money beforehand? Um, and put stuff in place that when this happened that you felt that you were in control. Um, now, again, mm. this is not all the organizations, but the sad part is the breaches we've had, we've almost had a rinse and repeat um, exercise. You go in there, it's an absolute nightmare. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's compromised. They don't know who's going to make the decision, and especially they don't know what to communicate. So, and um, I... I want to come back to what you said now, but, uh, you know, you opened the discussion, which was, uh, really telling for me where you said your, your, your breach response is not, is not, uh, software driven. 
Can you just maybe elaborate on that? Because surely when something happens, um, I've got to, I don't know, install something and uh, scan the network or shut down a server or, or pull out wires or um, rip the plug. <laughs> how, how can you come and say, oh, well, um, uh, I don't need, uh, we don't need software for, for this? So, let me use an example from a, and, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll do this through the lens of, from a forensic point of view. Um, if you go and shut down the internet, you cripple your business immediately if you have any online connectivity or your customers use any of your systems. So immediately you, you're opening yourself up to rep- reputational damage. Um, but what's more scary is you actually help the perpetrators if it's a real attack. Um, to wipe out their footprints. Oh. So you'd go shut down the servers and all of the in-memory logs that's sitting there are now lost. Uh, or oh. you um, go and in, uninstall stuff and install new stuff uh, without actually knowing what you are trying to, 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 uh, to recover from. Um, and I always say the best tool you have in such a breach is a whiteboard and a whiteboard marker. Start planning out. Have, have a plan. Know, know where you're going and what you're looking for. You can't just get someone in and say, start scanning. What are you going to scan for? What yeah. are you looking for uh, without knowing, you know, what is the real target? What is the, what is the modus operandi of this breach? I really like that. And I think that's, um, uh, again, it comes around the preparedness and, and planning component of it. So... When we move on to the the actual cyber incident, how would what would that typically look like? How do I know that there's been an incident? So I've, been, I've dealt with a couple of flavors of it, but I think the most common ones are either that your systems have alerted you that there's a breach or suspicious activity, and someone investigates and they found further evidence that it's really malicious, um, or they're trying to access a system. And it's encrypted. Um, or the most common one is the CEO or the owner gets an email from the perpetrator oh. to say, listen, yeah, you can go and find the following files as evidence in the following locations. Um, we've breached your systems. And if you don't pay us the following amount of money, um, we are either going to uh, release this data out in the market. Um, we're going to let the market know that you've been breached. Or we're going to just delete all of your data. You. Um, and this includes backup servers as well. So now it's not just, okay, let's call the IT guy to restore it. Sometimes the perpetrator has been in that environment for three months without you knowing it. Oh. Now, if we look at the la- latest… So the, if I get a mail today, it doesn't mean that uh, the guy got in last night? No. I mean, I, 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 I haven't seen any of the breaches that has not been in there at least for a couple of days. Wow. Um, the average, you know, if you look at in, uh, international standards, they would say that an average breach for a real breach, the guys would be in there for at least six months before you get any notification that they're there. Wow. Because they are building out lateral infrastructure. They are building out backdoors. So when they're ready to pull the trigger… To start getting, you know, get your money. They know that whatever procedure you want to put in place, they will have some sort of backdoor to it. Um, and that is where the backups become so relevant, because your backups that you are restoring could actually have 
that encryption software already in it or the malware in it. So as you restore, you're actually restoring the bad guys' scripts and data and infrastructure to keep on attacking you. Um, so, yeah, I think people need to know uh, that everybody needs to start looking at the data protection part less than the infrastructure security part. Okay, I'm with you on that. And then um, if that happens, is it not easiest or best just to just to pay? Um, yeah, that's a tough one because <laughs> I, I get asked that question all the time. Should we just not pay? Um, first of all, many of the companies now have cyber insurance. So the cyber insurance uh, advisor would be part of uh, the, the breach. Um, uh, I can never say pay or not pay. But I can tell you from the experience I've had, some people will pay. And then they'll get the decryption keys. And the decryption keys would be per server. And you never guarantee that that will work. Hmm. The second part is that's where the double-edged sword comes in. Um, they give you the decryption keys, all happy. And then a week later, you get a second mail. Oh, by the way, we forgot to tell you. Um, thanks for the money. You have the decryption keys. Now you know we've got all your data. If you don't pay me a further amount of money, I'm going to release all of this data out on the Internet, and you're going to be exposed to heavy Ooh, penalties. Wow. So it's like you are in this continuous loop of of paying for your sins. Um, you know, so it, and, and that's why I say we have to take cyber breaches quite seriously. It's, um, you have to be prepared, be prepared for it. Um, the, oh, there's so much uh, food for thought here. So let's say, for example, we had an incident, got the guys in, we listened to you, we whiteboarded the whole story, found where the problem came in, uh, closed the, the, took it out of the network or whatever. How do I know uh, a week or a month later now that my network is clean? How do I know when I can start sleeping peacefully again? Look, the, it, it's, a, it's a combination of a few elements. Um, operational efficiency may probably is the top priority in operational discipline. And then it's supported by technology. So, albeit I say technology is not your, your first approach, technology does help you to monitor mm. and let you know what's happening, let you know if you have issues in the system. So, when I say issues... I might have several different logs, all looking very legit um, from an individual process point of view. Um, it's, the, uh, it's a word executable that's accessing your, your hard drive that is reading data um, at saving to a OneDrive location, and all is fine. Valid user, they've got the right uh, identification, no problem. But within that word executable, there is malicious content. Um, and it's not being picked up by your standard antivirus systems for endpoint protection. What you're now looking for is uh, advanced analytics, where you are looking at evaluating the process and all of the various logs. And this is where an EDR or uh, endpoint detection and response becomes so important because you're almost now starting to move into the realm where you are deploying these bots or these intelligent probes in your infrastructure that continuously look at an array of activity and not measure the actual file or executable, but what it's doing 
is that the norm? Behavior. It's behavior analytics. Okay. All right. Um, but at a at a at a at a speed of light. I mean, you can't believe the amount of um, data that we have to analyze to really do the same at a human level. So you can never do that. Yeah. You have to deploy technology to aggregate all of these logs, um, and that will most probably be the best investment you can make: is to have a good EDR solution. And a good security sim or the security incident and event management system that correlates your logs and tells you and provides real-time dashboards. And maybe allow me to to um, explain real-time. Yeah. When you are a security um, expert or you are responsible for security in a company and you go and write a report about the security posture of a company, as soon as you hit send, that security report is no longer valid. Because the time that someone actually opens up that report, read the report, forward it to the next one, days could have gone past, and your posture could have changed in a couple of days. So we really encourage people to stop creating these Excel dashboards about how secure we are, what you know, what's our posture like. Move to real-time dashboarding. What's happening at this very moment? What is my log status like? What is accessing? Do I have infrastructures up or down? Do I see risks? Do I see possible suspicious activity? Investigate that suspicious activity. Um, and uh, so, so we'll come back to that. Um, my example is always uh, my real life example is uh, my name is Pete and I run a, a accounting firm in in Centurion. I've got a branch in Durban and Cape Town with about forty people in total across. The, uh, I do books for people. So when you talk about real time dashboards and stuff like that, it's it's really hard for me to get my head around. So I understand what it means to balance the books and to make sure that the petty cash is there and all that type of stuff. But the minute it gets to technology, and I go, oh well, I've got an IT guy. Uh, uh, he, he'll sort me out um, But uh, and, and that comes back to the question Is how do I know um, uh, I think you, you and I might have or I might have had this conversation really, uh, Recently Even if you have a provider that gives you a dashboard And says uh, everything looks looks 100% How do you, how do you audit the auditor Or how do you police the policeman So that's something that uh, yeah, we, I, I want to unpack with you At some stage um, So once the incident has happened now um, Then you mentioned earlier The forensics component to that Just explain uh, to me What, what does that entail um, so obviously we use a bunch of external forensic auditors that help us unpack the data. So there's a there's a tool common used in the industry called Velociraptor um, that really creates a timeline. Um, so any forensic uh, investigation we do is all about reverse engineering the timeline, understanding uh, when when did the in, when did the perpetrator breach the infrastructure? Okay, where did they come in? What did they use? From there, what was all of their steps inside your environment? Um, and we used this tool to correlate all of the logs and build as a timeline. So we would literally go and see that 
the person has jumped from this server to or laterally moved to the next server, built infrastructure, copy this data, move that file. Um, so we really go down to that granular level. Um, and this is where we then start using this tool called Velociraptor, which is an open source tool um, that you load and you just extract that timeline data. And there's really good experts and data scientists that helps us to then build up this timeline. And that timeline is what we report back to the customer to say, well, we've, we've, we've taken it back in time to as far as possible. And we could see that you were breached on the 13th of April, uh, this date at that time. And then we could see this following steps happening. And it, it mostly always boils down to a compromised user that has clicked on something, they received an email, um, and that single user were compromised. And then there's various exploits that they run once they've got access into your infrastructure. Um, and then the, the, the attack starts. And, uh, so, sorry, Rudy, I want to interject there. I assume the, the relevance or the importance of that timeline is so that you can, you can understand what, uh, human behavior led to, to that, uh, can I say hole in the network, if we can call it that, Correct, so that yes. you can, you, you can prevent it from happening in, in future. That and also cleaning up. So okay. I think All right. uh, So the purpose of that would not be to try and find the people, the bad guys So you can Well, we, we, we do, and we do okay. try um, And I think if you, if you read the press and you read some of the latest large government hacks um, That was part of the, the, the assignment, to go and find the perpetrators Or at least pinpoint to some sort of uh, group Because this is not a single person that will do these large-scale <laughs> attacks um, But I'll... I'll our uh, assignments mostly stops at just finding the source and, you know, understanding how it's happened, what's happened, did they access or did they actually move any data, um, and is there any any footprints left? So, so on the note of that of that groups, uh, you mentioned a, a number when we spoke earlier. Uh, how much money is in it is in it for them? Scary part is that cybercrime pays. Um, you know, the, 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 there's a website uh, that tracks all of the ransomware payments globally and all of the groups or the, the known black hat groups out there. And just the reported um, ransomware payments for the last year, the last 12 months, was $40 billion paid out globally. To so that's ransom. people that admitted they paid. They admitted. <laughs> they and, then, and then I assume you can probably double that for people that won't want to say – yeah, it's it's a scary part. It's like it's like I said, it's like a, a GDP for a small country um, that's being paid out because of data breaches. It's such a scary uh, number that for me. Um, okay, ready. So we always um, we always sort of end off, um, and I feel like there's so much more that I want to unpack with you, but I think we're gonna we're gonna do it at an, another time. Um, if I, if I'm now Pitin Centurion and I listened and, and I listened to you and I'm a bit more pale uh, than when I started, um, let's make it real. So where do I where do I start as a business owner? The best thing you can do for yourself is educate yourself. Understand where is your data physically. I mean, wh- where's my data stored? What sort of data do I really have? And do I know who's accessing that data? That's the best investment anybody can make. Because if you know where all your data sits, you know who's accessing your data and what's the purpose of that access, um, you really have a good start. Now, 
the smaller enterprises are very lucky because they don't come with legacy debt. They don't have all of these old legacy systems that they have to deal with. And the pandemic has forced us all to rethink this thing of cloud and rethink this thing of accessing these large hyperscalers. Hyperscalers are the SME's best friend because what do they do best? They standardize and they provide you access to what you actually just have. But it doesn't mean you can now be 100% safe. You are still responsible to make sure all the controls are in place. So that's why I say if you a one-man shop to a large enterprise, you cannot shift your liability to a platform provider or to a third party. Educate yourself and know what's happening out there. And um, if uh, if we engage you, how, how long how long does it take for you to give me a picture of what my how big my problem is? Well, I'm I don't have a crystal ball, so <laughs> <laughs> but you know it really always just starts off with a cup of coffee. Okay. Um, and sometimes that cup of coffee uh, doesn't go further because I give you enough information. That you need to first go and clean up your house before anybody else comes in, mm. um, and I think that 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 most probably is is the detriment to some of the security companies out there because they'll always try and sell you something, and they'll always try and go and say no, but you you know you need to replace the system, so it's going to take us six months to replace the system and do the following. Yes, there's basic stuff that needs to be in place. So if I can leave your your audience today with those basic steps. Make sure that your passwords are changed um, if you have a breach. But the one that, that runs up to it is don't use the same password for <laughs> everything. Get a proper password manager and make sure that you activate two-factor authentication on everything. Um, you know, don't think that your your SSID or your wireless Wi-Fi ID at home, the password you use, you can use everywhere, uh, because your kid shares Facebook. it on Facebook and say no, but pull in. I've got internet. We're going to do a gaming LAN, and and suddenly your profile's out there, and these passwords are then logged on websites, which I can go and purchase um, thousands of passwords. Um, at a fraction of let's call it less than ten dollars, and I I go search for your your email address in there and see if there's a password or last known five passwords for you, and that's how the guys try. And nine out of ten times, even the large enterprises are compromised because of that. Wow. Your password is not multi-factor authentication, and your passwords are used for all of the websites. You know, so you don't have unique passwords for all your stuff. And um. So uh, that's such a, it's such a um, pertinent thing. I think to to sort of end off the conversation with is, um, and I think you referred to it earlier as well. Is sometimes when we have these discussions with customers, then they go, "Yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't know, I want to pay for an additional service uh, for for my users because I'm already paying for this and that and this and that." Once that breach has happened, then you understand how valuable that investment would have been. So uh, it's a lot cheaper to do that than uh, than actually to pay a ransom or have to get the experts to come and to come and get you out of the out of the, uh, the, the out of trouble. I will. I mean, I can't name names now, but I'll give you an idea of um, a small breach. Company of about 110 users. They had some personal information in there. Um, they didn't pay out. We we managed to get uh, recover the day or re- recover the the, the breach. Um, but that 
three-week engagement cost them more than 700,000 rand for that small company mm. just for that three weeks of consultants and people coming in. Um, if they had that money and they spent that money wisely up front, that could have actually protected them much more and had sort of far less reputation. Well, we could have ca- carried them for a year or two. Yeah. So I think it's really just planning properly. Okay, excellent. Rudy from Razertech, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And uh, we'll share all of your details uh, when the podcast comes out on our LinkedIn page a little bit later today. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's so obvious. Uh, just buy Rudy a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you, Rudy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember that you can listen to all of the podcasts on the Cliff Central app or website. And for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Um, if you're looking for help with your communication tools in your business, uh, please make sure to visit catalytic.co.za. Cliffcentral.com